Hey, All Souls Church, Pastor Harvey here. I want to welcome you to All Souls, our online version here today, and we're going to be in Genesis chapter 2, if you want to go ahead and turn there. If you hear horns honking and whistles blowing and people yelling, that's because we're in Burbank right now, uh, and the writer's strike is across the street at the Disney studio. So if you hear a little of that through the sermon, there's really nothing we could do here because we're just recording in the building right across the street. So uh, yeah, hopefully that's not too distracting for you. Genesis chapter 2, we're in the series in Genesis where we're walking straight through from Genesis 1 to Genesis 50. Uh, Some weeks we're going to take big chunks. Today we're only covering three verses. And um, yeah, go ahead and turn there to Genesis chapter 2, and we're going to start reading uh, verses 1 through 3. I'll pray, and then we'll get into the sermon. Genesis 2.1, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, you have created us, and you have created this world in which we live in. Uh, it reflects your beauty and your glory. And we have studied in the past couple of weeks not only that you created this world, but you created each one of us as individuals and we're precious to you and that you love us and that you're with us and that we have purpose and value in your eyes. And Lord, now as we turn our attention of what it means to rest, to truly be human, um, teach our hearts and teach our souls. This is something that we resist as humans, but especially as American humans. We resist your word very strongly here as a culture and even as a church. The American church has mostly ignored your command here. Uh, so Lord, at least for us, our church, may we make progress in our souls and trust you enough to rest one day a week and to pray one day a week. So God, fill us with your Holy Spirit to understand uh, that we don't just hear it as a legalistic rule to follow, but instead we understand it is the way that you built this world and the way that you built us. Help us to see that, Lord. Help me to preach that. And let the glory and cross of Jesus be revealed to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, is a very uh, interesting passage because it is such a profound and powerful passage in regard to how the rest of the Bible is directed after that and how so many passages of the Bible go right back to it. There's actually uh, some repetitive language in these three verses. There's, on the surface, it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of content, uh, but I think we're going to find that there's probably more here than we can handle in one sermon. And uh, the other thing I would say is this. Uh, there was a guy named Stephanus who was uh, a disciple of John Calvin who took it upon himself to uh, take the Bible and divide it up into chapters. Uh, and I think the verses were later uh, added by somebody else. But Stephanus uh, did the chapters, and everybody that I know of and I've heard of and read on this says that he did a horrible job picking the chapter uh, cut off right here because this is supposed to be seen as part of the creation story, part of the creation narrative. And cutting it off from the rest of creation actually does something uh, to separate it, at least in our minds. But it seems that that separation has been profound also in the churches as well. That we see 
the first part of creation, oh yeah, that God, and then yeah, there was that after thing, the Sabbath. Uh, we're supposed to see all of them together, that Sabbath is the way in which God has made the world. So think about it like this, uh, one day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, Sabbath. So one, two, three, four, five, six, Sabbath. One, two, three, four, five, six, Sabbath. That's the rhythm of the world. That's the rhythm of God. That's the rhythm of humanity. One, two, three, four, five, six, Sabbath. So I, in our you know, culture, a lot of people will work a five-day work week, which is a huge blessing. And there's even some discussion around a four-day work week, 412s, rather than uh, you know, the other way. And whatever, that sounds great too. Uh, but really, I don't think it matters whether it's a two days off or a three days off situation. Humans will have a hard time actually doing what God has called us to do. Now, to, to be sure, uh, the Sabbath is not just about a day off. The Sabbath is about some way more profound things, some holy things. In fact, uh, here's what I want to say today. Here's my main point. God gave us the Sabbath to create space to pray and play. So God gives the Sabbath. It's a gift. And He gives it for this purpose, to create space. Okay? One, two, three, four, five, six. Sabbath. Uh, a lot of people who study music will talk to you about how it's the spaces between the notes that actually make the music as much as it is the actual percussion or whatever it might be, whatever instrument it might be. Uh, it's the same with life. You have to have space between the notes. And if you don't, it just starts to all run together and you're not made to live that way. So God gave us the Sabbath to create space to pray and to play. Prayer, we're going to be talking about that, you know, that's the purpose of why we gather on a Sunday is to pray to God, to hear from Him. And then play, that could be any form of rest or recreation. Okay, so if you think about the word rest, beautiful word, I can, I can just take a load off. I can, I can settle in. I can just be for just a few minutes. I don't have to be a human doing. I can be a human being, as the old adage goes. So that's rest. And then recreation being... Things I enjoy, recreation, taking the parts of God's creation and playing and enjoying. So this doesn't have to do with uh, taking the parts of God's creation and working like the cultural mandate that we looked at last week. It has taking God's creation and playing, enjoying our lives. So the first thing I need you to see is that God put the Sabbath in the world so that you can enjoy your life. And he put the Sabbath in the world so you can understand your life. And actually, he's put the Sabbath in the world so you can understand who he is. Last thing I'll say is he put the Sabbath in the world so you can understand what the gospel is. In fact, if you don't understand the Sabbath, it's going to be very hard for you to understand the gospel. Because the Sabbath is basically God saying, I don't need you to always work and perform and go, go, go. I don't even want you to do that. I want you to enjoy this life too. I want you to be able to take it all in. And we as human beings, we just often don't want to do that. <clears throat> all right, so let's, let's go ahead and dive into chapter 2, verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. Now, what he's doing here is he's pointing us right back to the first verse of chapter 1. And in the first verse of chapter 1, he says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And then in 2.1 it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, 
and all the host of them. The host being all of the numbers of them. A host would be like an army. If you think of like an army, all the different people. Well, a host of all his heavens would be the stars and the moon and the mountains and the trees and the people and the, you know, uh, horses and monkeys and whatever else. I don't know. All the things that God has made, all of the hosts of them. And it says when they, they were finished. So God finished his work. And we have to understand that the work is supposed to have a finish. It's supposed to have a start and a finish. Work is not supposed to be something perpetual in your life. Even in the gospel, this is true. We're not to work for God to earn our way before Him. Instead, the way in which we receive the gospel is set by simply resting and allowing God to do the work for us and believing that His rest is what is required for the salvation of our souls. Uh, so uh, first, that's the first thing I wanted you to see, that work has a beginning and an ending. And like we talked about last week, work is good. Work is a blessing. Yes, work is also cursed after the fall, but work is good. But it's not the only good. There's also a good that comes in this Sabbath rest where we pull aside. So, uh, like I said, beginning and end to, to work. But also, um, there's a beginning to something else here. God has made us to begin and end work as well and begin the process of rest. And rest is supposed to have a beginning and an end, and then work takes back over. So it's very important that you see your life as you know, working, starting, stopping, and then resting. And the resting has a starting, stopping, and then the working starts up again. And this pace, this, this um, breath in the middle, this moment, this space that is created is actually the thing that fuels everything else that you're doing in your life. So much so that if you just decide, I'm going to skip the Sabbath. I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to play. I'm not going to rest. I'm just going to plow through. i got things i got to do. I'm trying to take the world over here. You can do that. You do that for a while. You could do that for years. I, myself, have been guilty of this. In my early days of ministry, you know, I just was like a workhorse. I was a young man, you know. I started ministry when I was, uh, in pastoral ministry when I was 24 uh, years old. And I had all kinds of energy. And I didn't have kids then. I had just gotten married. And I could work all day. I could work at night. I could, even as my kids got, uh, came onto the scene, I remember getting up early in the morning and working. And working all day. And then being there present with my family at night. And when everybody went to bed, I went back to work and worked until... Uh, midnight or one in the morning and you know what I was able to grow a really big church and a lot of great things happened but you know what happened to me I almost died and I'm not kidding I woke up on a Friday morning normal Thursday night was fine woke up on a Friday morning and I could not lift my arms I'm not kidding I could not move my body I felt like I was paralyzed and I just started crying and I cried all day and my wife called the elders like <laughs> I don't know what's going on with him. Like, he's just not okay. And they gave me a little time off, and I still wasn't okay. And so finally, we had to begin working with my counselor, which I'm actually working with till this day. And the main thing that he taught me is some of the things I want to teach you today, that there has to be space. There has to be rest. That we're actually disobedient to God. We're disobeying Him when we just keep plowing ahead. It's a way of us establishing our authority to say, we don't need God. We don't need rest Let's just keep going. So being productive is a Christian value, but being productive at the cost of rest is not. 
Okay? Overproductivity is actually sin according to God. So good work is a value, but breaking from work is also a value. And in this American culture, uh, we are told to just keep going, keep driving, keep pressing, use your day off to get a little bit ahead, get a little bit ahead for the week ahead, uh, do a, a few extra things, use your day off to take care of your business at home, just keep going, keep going. And people do that, and then they get burnt out, and then their life falls apart. Usually when somebody does something really stupid, like step out on their marriage, or maybe they do something embezzling money from their business, or whatever it might be, it's usually because they're running ragged, and they find themselves in a place where uh, they're doing things that they wouldn't normally do. And probably, I would bet, it would come from lack of prayer and playing and resting, as we're going to see today. Um, <clears throat> all right, let's go ahead and uh, jump in in verse 2. It says, And on the seventh day God finished His work that He had done, and He rested on the seventh day from all His work that He had done. So um, there is rest from the work, and then there is rest found in the weekly Sabbath, as we see here. Exodus chapter 20 is uh, the, the Ten Commandments, and a very important understanding comes to what the Sabbath is all about from the Ten Commandments. And so I'm going to read that, and we'll kind of walk through really quickly what that's all about there. Just, uh, sorry, Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 says this, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Okay, so the idea of holy is purity. Yes, you want to keep the Sabbath day pure uh, as a day of playing and prayer, prayer and playing. Uh, you want to keep it pure. But it's also, the word holy means to set something apart. So it's to keep it pure for sure, but you also, you take this day and you set it apart. It's different than the other days. It's distinct from the other days. In fact, we're going to see in a minute, it actually receives a blessing that the other days don't receive. There's something unique about Sabbath and the way that God has created it. And it is now on us, this is the command, to remember the Sabbath. That's the first thing. We have to remember it. We have to make it part of our thinking. The second, we have to keep it holy. We're supposed to keep it. Okay. So it's not the pastor's job, my job, for example, to come to you and go, Hey, are you keeping the Sabbath? It's your job to remember it and to keep it. Now, I might be able to help you in that process, especially with some of the frustrations you might feel about it. Uh, but at the end of the day, I can't tell you that it's okay for you not to keep the Sabbath. In fact, it begin, begins to become kind of absurd and funny if we treat the rest of the Ten Commandments the way we treat the Sabbath. You know, like people just blow the Sabbath off. No, no problem. I don't need to go to church this week. I don't need a day off this week. Let's just keep rolling. Let's just keep plowing. I don't need any space or time. Um, imagine if we did that with murder. You know, I know I love Jesus and all that stuff, but you know what? I'm just going to murder people. It's just, you know, it's hard for me not to murder people. And honestly, these people tick me off, and so I'm just going to murder them. Well, that's how we act with the Sabbath. Uh, if we talked about stealing this way or adultery this way or any of the other commandments, it would be absurd. But the way we treat the Sabbath is almost kind of like it's an option. It's like, cool, God, yeah, right, we'll, maybe, we'll see, right? Well, <clears throat> God says, no, you got to remember it, you got to keep it. Then he says, <clears throat> six days you shall labor. And do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. So it's also directed to Him. It's not for you, just for you. It's about Him. It's about you recognizing Him. Part of the reason you need the Sabbath is because you need a moment 
to recognize that this is God's world and to keep you from thinking that your life is all about you. <clears throat> that might be your main problem. The main problem in your life might be that you think your life is about you. And it's not. Once you understand that your life is not about you, uh, you'll actually be able to live a life of freedom. Okay, now watch what else he says here in Exodus. He says, on it, the Sabbath, you shall not do any work. You're not supposed to produce anything. Uh, <clears throat> you, he says, or your son, or your daughter, or your male servant, or your female servant, even your livestock are not supposed to work. Uh, you can't, like, yeah, the livestock's supposed to rest too. And then listen to this. And the sojourner, that's the immigrant that would have, uh, you know, come through your town and lived with, it lived with the people in the town, in the village, sometimes in people's homes. People would let an immigrant come and live with them while they were figuring out where they were going. Even the immigrant that has other gods and worships in other places and does not love the Lord your God, if that immigrant comes, that immigrant needs to know we take the Sabbath off and we just pray and play. That's the rules around here. Okay, so this would have been the Old Testament context here. And he says, For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So God does something with that day. He blesses it and he makes it holy. He puts his power and his presence upon it and gives it a uniqueness that is different and significantly different from the rest of the days. <clears throat> uh, so God was so serious about this in the Old Testament, in fact, that I'll just give you two times where he got very serious about it. Right after he introduced the concept of the Sabbath, there was this guy that just blew it off. It was like, I don't care. God is weird. Like, I'm just going to go pick up sticks and build a fire. So he goes around working, picking up sticks to build a fire, and God kills him. Okay. Now, God doesn't usually do that to Sabbath breakers because we're all here. But he did here. Why did he do that? Very similar to Ananias and Sapphira at the book of Acts, right at the beginning of the church. He wants us to know that his commands are not optional. He's not just throwing it out there as a suggestion. And while we don't all, all get the, uh, the consequences that this guy got, there's a warning there for us that God is serious about that. Another uh, thing that God did is at the end of the Old Testament that God put them in exile in Babylon for 70 years. And the primary reasons he gives for exile in Babylon for 70 years, you know what they are? You did not keep the Sabbath, you did not take care of the poor, and you worshiped other gods. But the first thing, like you wouldn't take a day off. So you're going into exile for 70 years. So God is very serious about this. Now, what about, you know, how does it move from Saturday Sabbath in the Old Testament to Sunday Sabbath in the New Testament? Well, I actually found in our, the confession of our church, the London Baptist Confession of 1689, had the best description of this that I could find. And some of the wording's old, it's from 1689, but good stuff here. He says this, As it is the law of nature that in general a proportion of time by God's appointment be set apart for the worship of God, so by His word, in a positive, moral, and perpetual commandment, binding on all men of all ages. Now here's the part I want you to hear. He hath particularly appointed one day in seven for a Sabbath to be kept holy unto him, which from the beginning of the world to the resurrection of 
Christ was the last day of the week. And from the resurrection of Christ was changed to the first day of the week, which is called the, the Lord's Day and is to be continued to end of the world as the Christian Sabbath. The observation of the last day of the week being abolished. So in the Old Testament is the last day of the week. Work is finished. In the New Testament, we, it's the rest is the first day of the week. This is beautiful. The idea here is the same with the gospel, that our work comes out of our rest. So we rest on Sunday, and then we work through the week, and then we rest on Sunday, and we work through the week. We pray, and we play on Sunday, and then we work through the week. And so it's a beautiful picture of how God recreated the world, moving it from Saturday to Sunday, the last day of the week to the first day of the week. And every time we gather on Sunday, we're celebrating the resurrection of Christ. We even call it the Lord's Day. So we usually just refer, refer to it as Sunday, but it's actually in the Bible, it's called the Lord's Day. In other words, the other six days are for men, but Sunday is the Lord's Day. And we're called to give Him our prayer and our attention on that day. All right, so <clears throat> that's what we do on a, on a Sunday. We gather for worship. And what are the activities that we do when we gather for worship to pray? Well, the London Baptist Confession is also very good here. I'll read you what it says. It says, well, these are the activities that we should participate in our prayer life on Sunday. The reading of the scriptures, the preaching and hearing the word of God, the teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in our hearts to the Lord, as and also the administration of baptism and the Lord's Supper are all parts of religious worship of God to be performed in obedience to Him with understanding, faith, reverence, and godly fear. So the idea is this, we pray by gathering together to pray. The Sabbath is not a day for you to pray by yourself. You're doing that the other six days. Uh, but the Sabbath is a day for you to pray with God's people and to worship with God's people and to hear the Word of God preached from God's people and to hear songs and sing songs that transform you with God's people and to take the Lord's Supper and to be baptized with God's people. These are all forms of prayers. These are ways in which we engage God and the ways in which God engages us. So we say the very first part of our week, Sunday morning, before our week even gets started, we're going to gather and we're going to pray. And we're going to be filled up with God. And then we're going to go out from there proclaiming His goodness in the world through our work and our worship. All right? So um, what kinds of things besides prayer and church would you find yourself doing on the Sabbath? What do I do for the rest of the day? Well, you play. You enjoy the day. And sometimes play means I need a nap. And sometimes play means I'm going to go for a hike, or I'm going to go golfing, or I'm going to go shopping, or I'm going to go eat something cool, or I'm going to go to the beach, or whatever it is for you. But God doesn't want you to just pray. He wants you to play. He wants you to enjoy this world that He created. He wants you to get outside and take some sun rays in and experience the beauty of this world and not be under the constant stress and attention that work creates in your life. But you're supposed to have this separate time of breathing, of taking things in, of celebrating. So you can be with your family, um, obviously, on the Sabbath day. Uh, you can gather with friends on the Sabbath day. You can sit, and I would also recommend that sometimes you don't gather with other people. You take the Sabbath day for silence and for solitude, to just be with the Lord. You know, what time do you actually get with the Lord that's uninterrupted, that other people are not crouching in on? Um, now, some of you might be thinking, wait a minute, uh, you're like me, you work on Sunday. How am I supposed to have a day of pray and play when I work on Sunday? Well, 
I'll just tell you for me and what I've seen many other people do. For me, I still think of Sunday as my Sabbath, but I'm also aware that I work pretty hard on Sunday. You know, I'm I usually up by 7 a.m., uh, kind of going back over my sermon, studying, praying, get here, work, usually until the afternoon if we have something after church. So it can be a pretty intense day. So what I do is I take my kind of rest and play day more on Saturday. And that's a day where I'm with my family. I'm, I don't have anything on the schedule. I'm just kind of being in the world. In fact, all throughout my years of doing ministry, I have purposely not set very many events on a Saturday because that's my day for God and that's my day for my family. Especially as my kids were growing up, that was super important because they'd be in school all week. And I didn't, I didn't want, you know, one of the, I didn't want, and then I'm at work all Sunday. Saturday was the only day I had with them. And so for you, maybe you could do something like that. Maybe you could do Saturday afternoon to Sunday afternoon, or maybe you could do Saturday, or maybe you could do Friday, and then you just go to church on Sunday morning. You figure out your own. I know for some of you, you work every other Sunday. I think it's important for you to still get input from the Word of God. So maybe go download the sermon from here or from somewhere else, do some Bible reading. You need input from the Word of God, but you also need to rest uh, on the days that you're not here. So there are adjustments that can be made, and I would say this. For the first 300 years of the church, the Christian church either worshipped in very early morning or late at night because most uh, peasants in the Roman Empire had to work on Sunday. Sunday was not a, a day off in the Roman Empire, so it wasn't a day they could Sabbath. They would Sabbath somewhere else, but they would still worship on Sunday because it was the day of the Lord's <clears throat> resurrection. All right, so there might be other what-ifs that you have. Just come talk to me. I'd love to help you think through that, but I want you to think through this. Jesus said, uh, some people had come to him and they were critiquing the way him and his disciples were keeping the Sabbath because what they had done is they had taken this beautiful thing of Sabbath and they had put all these rules on it that they added. Okay, God didn't put them there. They just added them. And Jesus was like, I don't have to obey those rules. They're not from me, right? Well, these guys were very concerned that Jesus wasn't obeying their rules and that the disciples weren't. And they came to Jesus and complained about it one day. And they said, your disciples are breaking the Sabbath. He said, no, no, no. Sabbath is made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, Sabbath is here to bless us. And all these guys were doing, by the way, was getting some grain and eating it. But they were saying because they were peeling the, the uh, husk off the grain that it was work. And so now they're breaking the Sabbath. And Jesus is like, that wasn't what I was saying. <laughs> the idea here is this should be a day of blessing to you. I'm not trying to put a bunch of cumbersome rules on you to see if you really love me. I, I want you to enjoy your life. I don't want you to be exhausted. I want you to know me. And so that he gives us the Sabbath out of these holy, good motivations. All right? Uh, so we're formed, right, by grace and not grit. Do you know that, right? Uh, Christians are not formed by their hard, grit, work, serving. That, that will only make you religious and proud. Okay? You're not going to be more loving if you come from that heart. How do we grow then? It's through God pouring His grace on us. How, do we pour, how does He pour His grace on us? When we pray and when we play. When we pray, we receive the graces of the gospel and the benefits of all that He is for us. Uh, we receive the forgiveness of sins and all these beautiful things. 
And when we play, we see his creation and we remember that our life is actually good and it's not all drudgery. And so this is what Jesus wants for us. He wants that moment of pray and play. And that's actually how we receive grace because it's in the praying that we go, oh, I need him. I need his grace. I need his gift to me. And when we play, we say, oh, I can see it. I can see the beauty of it all. I can see his gift to me. When we pray and when we play, and then we can understand grace. But if you look at it as like, I got to earn, I got to try, I got to do. If that's your version of Christianity, then you're not going to value the Sabbath. And actually, you don't value the God of the Bible. You value some other God you've made in your own image. Okay, second thing I want you to hear about this is this. Um, sanctification or becoming more holy is God's work upon the receptive and resting heart. And you can only be receptive and resting if you stop. You cannot be a non-anxious presence running at 100 miles an hour. You have to stop. You have to sit. You have to receive. And not just a quick reception, but you have to receive in a way where God could marinate His words and His presence into your heart. And if you marinate anything, you know that it takes some time. It's not just a quick dip and move on. This is what you need. This is why God has given you the Sabbath. The Sabbath is a way for God to say, sit down, with a smile on His face, by the way. Sit down, shut up, relax, rest. Let your mind wander a little bit. Let your task list float by. Have a little bit of fun. And if you do this, you'll be doing me a great service, Jesus says, because you're letting me love you. You're not trying to perform for me. You're just letting me do my work. And I can't do my work when you're running. I can't do my work when you're not receptive. I can't do my work when you're not resting. I can only do it if you rest. So you need to rest, he says. Look at chapter 2, verse 3 in Genesis. So God blessed the seventh day, or in our case, the first day, and made it holy because on, God, on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. The blessing that we receive with Sabbath is to live God's way in God's world. God wants us to live in the rhythm of creation. One, two, three, four, five, six. Sabbath. One, two, three, four, five, six. Sabbath. That is the rhythm of creation. That's the rhythm that God lives in. And that's the rhythm he's created us to live in. And that's the rhythm he's created in the world. And when we work against that rhythm, creating our own rhythms, we can do it. But we end up damaging ourselves and other people. And we also end up disobeying God. And, and more importantly, breaking his heart. That we, we don't want him. We don't need him. That we'd rather just plow ahead. God is saying, no, I need you to stop. I need you to stop your own rhythm and join into mine. So your only chance to grow spiritually is to live life this way. Overwork and overactivity make you numb to the Spirit of God. They, it stops up your ears. If you feel like, man, it feels like God has not been with me, God does not talk to me anymore, are you stopping? Are you listening? Or is your life so full of activity that you can't hear from him? Here's another way you could tell. That even when you do have a moment to rest, you get on your phone rather than resting. And we all know that our phone is almost never a place of rest. 
you know, maybe something, a funny video or something like that, get our minds off things. But our, there's all kinds of demands there in our phone. And God is saying, I would need you to stop. I need you to breathe. You can uh, only rest. You can only truly repent. The final thing I want to say is you can only truly repent of your sin uh, when you rest. Up until then, you're only repenting around the edges of your soul. You're not repenting in here where, where you need to, in these deep places. You're, you're repenting on the edges of your soul, in behaviors. Okay, I need to tweak this behavior. I need to change this. I need... But you might be doing all of that out of the flesh, and the Spirit of God is not involved. And that means it's not going to sustain, and eventually those things are going to make you bitter. Okay? The only way to repent from the center of your soul is to stop, to pray, to play, to let the rhythms of this world do its work on you. And if you start doing Sabbath, it might take a few weeks, actually. And the first few Sabbaths, you might find yourself miserable because you're so used to living in a different way. But eventually, you're going to see what I'm saying. It's going to pay off. And then you're going to start to experience God in ways that you never had before. And you're going to start understanding the purpose of your life in ways that you never had before. And I'm not saying it's going to make everything better, but you're going to have strength for the journey if you can rest. Of course, Jesus purchased our rest. It's one of the things that he was doing. Did you notice when you studied the Gospels that he died on a Friday and he was dead on the Sabbath of Saturday and then he rose on the first Christian Sabbath, the Lord's Day? He, he had to go all the way into death. He had to go all the way into what the Sabbath was for us. And he came out the other side resurrected. And what he is now saying to us is that my kingdom is one of rest. If Christianity feels to you like this burden, this weight, guilt, shame, do more, try harder, how come you don't measure up? It's because you're not hearing Jesus. You're hearing something, but that's not Jesus. Here's what Jesus says. Come to me, all who will labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, on you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. A yoke would be something you would put on two oxen, and then they would drive together, and you're supposed to keep the yokes equal so that they could drive through the fields together. Well, Jesus is saying, I've got the yoke. I'm bearing most of the weight. You're just going to get a little bit of weight, but it's mostly just so you walk with me. I'm going to carry all the weight. I'm going to plow the field. I just want you to be with me. And as you come with me, I'm going to give you rest. You see, Jesus is saying, following me feels like resting. Following me uh, does not feel like you're beat down and you're heavy laden. If that's happening, it's because something else is going on. But following me is rest. And so God has not only given us a day of rest, but he has allowed us to find our ultimate rest in our Lord Jesus, who becomes our eternal rest, that we can rest from our earning and striving and working and just be accepted by Him. Not because we earned anything, but because we're His and we're created in His image. So, <clears throat> with that, God gave us the Sabbath to create space, to pray, and play. I hope you will. Let's pray. Lord, uh, I pray that nobody would hear this message as a to-do list or as a burden, but hopefully they hear it as a relief.
is something that a gift that you give. So allow us all to not only um, uh, see that you're giving that gift, but give us the grace to receive it. We pray it in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Grace and peace.